This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. What's up and happy Friday, WOMED fam. You've got me here. That's D. in case you haven't figured out our voices yet, but it's season five, so hopefully y'all have. Jack is actually having some major technical difficulties with the <laughs> Wi-Fi in Italy. It totally crapped out on her. So hopefully she will join us, but if not, you just got me for today. And Ray. Honestly, it's a little weird being like, you know, saying what's up, fam, on a Friday. But, you know, here we are. I'm excited. I think Fridays are going to be good. Tell us what you think. Hi. I haven't seen you in so long. I know. It's been forever. It's been so crazy. I know. Way too, way too, way too long. Which is crazy because I was thinking about this time last year, I was in constant contact with you because Brain and I were in the process of getting engaged. <laughs> I know. It was, can you be here at this time and this place? And yes. do you, by the way, do you know anyone that can sing um, Simply the Best, but the Shit's Creek <laughs> version? And I was like, yes, I actually have the perfect person. Yes. So, well, Chris. My dear, dear friend, welcome to the WOMED. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure. I have been wanting to have you on for a long time, but I love getting your feedback like every week on the episodes. It makes me so (laughs) happy. (laughs) I truly do enjoy them and I use it like I told you in the past uh, while I'm working out. So it helps. And yeah, kind of, it kind of helps like to know that you're not alone in hearing all these other stories. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. That is exactly what the WOMED is for. You know, we want mm-hmm. to build this community where people don't feel so alone and can just feel seen and heard. And, you know, you just help remind me that we're doing the right thing. <laughs> yes, you're doing an incredible job. Yes. So I'm Fortunately, you do not get to meet Jack this time. She oh. is in Tuscany and her internet oh. crapped out. I know. <laughs> I know. We don't, feel sorry. We, we don't feel sorry yeah. for her. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome. Good for her. Yeah. I'm hoping she might join um, if she gets it figured out, but... If not, it's just you and me today carrying the pod. Yay. I'm excited. Obviously, Chris, we have been friends for a very long time. And I was trying to think about how long, but I couldn't remember when we started working together. Um, I think I came to the neonatal ICU in what, like 2016, maybe? It had to have been. But no, it feels like like longer. 
I don't know. You've probably you've probably updated your resumes <laughs> more recently <laughs> than I have. Yeah, because I want to say I left adults back in 2016. So okay. I could. Then I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. And then you precepted me. I did. Oh my god, I did. I taught you everything you I knew. Yeah. Oh my. I remember. <laughs> oh my god. You were doing great, but we had a, we were drawing like a blood gas or something. And I was like, don't pull up too hard on it. You're like, I'm not. And I was like, okay. But I was was like, he's totally totally getting like snippy with me. I totally was though, because like in adults, you don't really worry about that. And now looking back. I was like, umbilical line. (laughs) Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. So you were incredible, though. You had so much patience with me and everything, honestly. Oh, you are so sweet to say that. I always wondered if people, like, hated me as a preceptor because I'm so anal and I can, like, no. cover. <laughs> no, I've had preceptors that have been anal. Mm-hmm. And you, no, you weren't like that. Oh, no, I enjoyed good. our time together. But you weren't a primary preceptor. It was only when, like, somebody was sick or something. But, yeah. yeah. I never like to be, like, fully in charge of someone's education. <laughs> Well, you couldn't. You were also charging so much at that yeah. point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, so. I, yeah, there was no way that I could have. Oh, Nick, you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so many stories. So oh, many stories. Yeah. So many crazy nights. Okay. So let's walk everyone kind of through your career in nursing. Like, what made you decide that you wanted to be a nurse? I think kind of the same story that a lot of nurses have you just want to make like an impact on the world right you know you want to make a difference and you believe that nursing is the right choice and so I went to school 2012 for nursing um, in the great state of Texas and (laughs) I graduated in 2014 started nursing right after that uh, at Vanderbilt in the adult world in the adult ICU but I always knew I wanted to do babies and be with anybody who loved working in the NICU. So I went there soon after and did that for a couple of years because uh, you left before I left, right? Yeah, I left I in so. 2019. Yeah. Like March of 2019. Yes. Yeah. And then I left there to do flight and transport for mm-hmm. babies and kids. And, and then I went to school so or started school but I did that for two years after the NICU and you popped back to the NICU though after transport I right? did because, yeah transport was not kind to you transport you know you either because it's such a team collaboration transport is I wouldn't necessarily say it was not kind to me I just didn't it wasn't my jam it yeah. really wasn't I enjoyed being with my patients longer and in the NICU we especially our NICU we have Mm -hmm. babies till they're like over one years old yeah and I I miss that and I didn't have that because transport is literally like stabilize the patient stabilize the baby and then get them to the NICU or the PICU so I I just miss that part and so when I got into school I decided to go back to the NICU just for a little bit um to fall kind of in love with nursing again yeah what was that like for you kind of I mean we talk a lot on the pod about 
the stress of nursing and, you know, people do fall in and out of love with it at different points in their life. And I'm just curious what that was like for you. And do you feel like you've fell back in love with nursing yet or you still kind of? Unfortunately, I think that's the one thing that the transport team did for me was that I did fall out of nursing with transport. And that's because I didn't feel as supported as I felt in other units. Mm -hmm. I felt like in the NICU, our autonomy is very much like a collaboration with um, the provider, you know, Mm -hmm. and with transport, it's all you. Um, You have medical control with pediatrics, but when it comes to neonatal um, care, unless the MP is with you, um, it's just, it's just you and you have to make the decisions. And if you make the wrong decision, quote unquote, your hand is slapped and you almost feel you're constantly questioning yourself. And that's what I did. And I didn't care for that. And I questioned at a certain point, uh, if I was a good nurse and I think I just, I couldn't deal with that anymore. And so going back to NICU, I knew that my love is babies and yeah. And I was hopeful that going back to bedside and speaking with my families and um, maintaining that relationship that I would be able to do that. And I, I think I did. And I was going to stay through school, but they actually highly discourage us to stay working. Oh, okay. And yeah, they don't want you to work while you're in CRNA school. Mm. So I decided to step away and... I think school has allowed me to love nursing so much more. And I'm so much more passionate about it. Oh, my so. God. That makes me so happy to hear. <laughs> yeah, because I, I think there was one episode that you and Jackie were talking about, just how you can just get burned through nursing by other, like if there's a provider that doesn't treat you well or another nurse. And I think just over the years, and I had just been in it for seven years, it just got to me. and. Mm-hmm. Now taking a step back and truly loving the science of nursing again, I'm just like, okay, this is why I did this. This is why I'm going into nursing. Oh my God. I'm so proud and happy for you. Thanks. Yeah. I'm really excited. So how has the transition to CRNA school been? Like what, why CRNA school? Oh. Why not nurse practice? Why not NNP? So my desire actually was to be an NNP for a really long time. I thought that's what I was going to do. And I decided that wasn't my route after spending some time in the NICU and just like kind of meditating on it and just not feeling ever the leap to, or the urge to jump. Mm Mm-hmm. And anesthesia school for me, I, I don't know, I, I almost wasn't sure that I would be able to do it. And that's why it took me so long to apply to anesthesia school because okay. I questioned myself, you know, but imposter syndrome and nursing. Are you kidding me? Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. But um, yeah, I, for me, CRNA, I want to be able to, especially with everything that's happening with the women's rights. And um, transgender rights. I really want to be able to be a provider that is not only passionate about his work, but truly makes a difference. And mm-hmm. there are providers out there, anesthesia providers, that will not do 
uh, reassignment surgery because they just don't believe in it. They won't provide any anesthesia. My goal is to be that person that stands in that gap and says, you know what? You don't have to because I'm here. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to provide that anesthesia for that person because they wish to have this surgery. The same thing goes with abortion. Um, it's one of my, I, I would say, biggest passions right now, especially I'm going to do it. Like, that's what I want to do is be able to be a, a person that provides pain management for these women. Mm. And I also think that I'm good enough to be able to be a, a shoulder to cry on for them to you know, speak to me about whatever it is on their heart. and. So if anything, what's happened in the world right now, I've just become more passionate about it and kind of, I would say, a, a more of a flame has been burning in me since Roe was overturned. Sure. Yeah, that's kind of why. My God, Chris, you're going to make me cry. Oh. <laughs> but you really are. Like, it's such a, I feel like it's still, and we, we, Jack and I touched on this a little bit last week in our episode, kind of with our initial reactions over the overturning. And it's like, no one wakes up and is like, yeah, I really want to fucking have an abortion. I really want to get pregnant so I can have an abortion. That's not anyone's thought process. Like it is not an easy journey for anyone. And it's a, it's a painful thing, you know, and, and mm -hmm. it just depends mm -hmm. on, you know, what stage, what term, like you're in the reasons why. And I just think that's mm -hmm. so special that you feel so called to be there for uh, women and other birthing humans and stuff during that time. And God, and even more that, you know, it's, it's, it's shocking, but it's not shocking to hear that there are providers that, um, refuse to provide anesthesia or refuse to participate in certain surgeries. You know what? Good. Because we don't want you in those. You know, this is exactly. a, a sensitive enough procedure and surgeries as is. Like, you don't, you don't need anybody in there that doesn't believe in your right to exist as who you want to be. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's exactly why I'm just like, you don't. I don't want you even near this patient because I'll, no. I'll do it. Yeah. And I don't think that they want it either, you know? No. And just like, I just think it's so crazy that it's even happened. So I think, and I, I get so disheartened by, I'm such a history nerd that like, I would hope that people would be able to look at our history or just history all over the world and kind of learn from our mistakes. But it's not, it's not a fact. We are not doing that. Even with, like, I think the most recent research shows um, back in 2018, 69% are against overturning Roe. And yet we still have these men, majority men, one woman, one woman, make this decision for us. Mm -hmm. I don't, I can't. Based off their religious beliefs. Exactly. Not science. You're, you're literally forcing your religious beliefs on other people. Look what that's done to everyone <laughs> over the history of time yeah and like I also think that some people believe in what they do and saying that this is a right decision because of like their own past traumas you mm -hmm. know and I just I'm just like you need to take that out of the equation like that's unfortunate for you and that's an unfortunate situation but like you're not looking at it you're being completely biased you're not looking at it as you and I have seen babies that 
cannot sustain life with trisomy 18. That's not possible. No. So what are we doing? Yeah. Why? Or encephaly. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. It really is. And I was, I was hoping you would kind of bring that up because I am curious. You know, I've thought about this uh, myself too. Like, what's, what's the appropriate cap on when someone should be able to like terminate by? And I feel like it's, it's really difficult because sometimes it's like, you know, you have, I mean, people are so obsessed with the like, late term abortions or after birth abortions. And yeah. it's like, that's not fucking happening. Like, I don't yeah. know how to tell you that that's not happening. If a woman delivers a baby that's incompatible with life, there are comfort measures in place. We have assisted in these deliveries and we awesome. have assisted in pushing the meds to keep the baby comfortable, but they are held skin to skin with mom and they are not suffering like they would be suffering mm -hmm. if we were jamming tubes down their throat and IVs through them mm -hmm. and tracheotomies, G-tubes, ostomies, ventricular shunts. Like there's right. so many things that go into. <sighs> and can I say this? I Please. think, unfortunately, the church or what people believe is the definition of a Christian, I guess. I don't like that to say that people who believe in Jesus are um, necessarily define themselves as Christian. But those that say um, this goes against God's will or whatever, um, I think the, they present this narrative that this is what's happening, that if we abort a baby, that we're just going to throw it in the trash or something, you know, something like that. And they, mm. they have this picture and that's why they hold up signs at Planned Parenthood with a fetus that's bleeding or mm -hmm. whatever it may be, to show other people this narrative, this agenda that they've already presented. I don't think that's reality. And I don't think it's, um, I think it's a false narrative. I think it's, yeah. and, and, and I think that's the driving force behind that. But that could be confrontational. I said that. <laughs> it's, it's bad. We, we talk about everything here. It's difficult in another aspect because people have this whole, like, when does life begin? And for me, I feel like it's more when is like a child actually viable slash when could they like survive outside of the womb without like major intervention, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I want to have this conversation with like a bunch of different people because, you know, I'm not a master in ethics or anything yeah. like that, but... It's just people use that argument so much. Like, when is when does life begin? But like, as we have seen, twenty three and twenty four weekers don't always have the best life going forward. The and the thing about that is, like, my team picked up many of those kids that mm -hmm. like went from the NICU from being a twenty two weeker to now a toddler that's not really sustaining in life like they're constantly in and out of the hospital and they they're coded they're pumped with medications they're con like and people don't see that they don't see that in between but that's exactly what i do i or i did mm -hmm. was i constantly would see the transition of that patient that yeah it is not having the best life that they could have had that's a tough question quality of life i don't know but here and 
maybe another confrontational thing. Uh, I don't think that I should have an opinion regardless because I'm a male. Mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah. I you don't. don't have a uterus. You're not going to carry a child. Nope. Nope. Mm-hmm. I definitely will have compassion and love and be that person to help with um, termination if that's chosen. But I don't think that I should have an opinion. And that's why it baffles me that there's a majority of white men that make this decision. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't understand when other women that support that decision don't see that it's a very very frustrating and scary world right now i can't i had multiple close people to uh, to me that called me crying that day yeah because it was a very sad day a very sad day so um yeah i don't know and i i I think you've mentioned this multiple times, but like, I guess the best that we can do at this point is just start locally and vote, Mm -hmm. especially right now. Um, Nashville, early voting, July 15th through the 30th. Yeah. Can't say it enough. (laughs) I'm going to go tomorrow. (laughs) I know we have the local library right here. That's my fiance and I always go to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, it's so sad. I didn't get to talk to you about this earlier, so I'm glad that we finally were able to. I know, we've been meaning to get coffee, and it's like, you know what, Chris? Why don't we just make a podcast episode out of this? I know, but yeah. I want to circle back to school a little bit because I know there's yeah. lots of CNRA students. Um, and so how far are you into this? Like how much time do you have left? So all CRNA programs now are DMP programs, okay. um, just like Jackie um, getting her doctorate. So we have made the transition to everybody getting that. So it takes about three years. I'm actually about to finish. My school is broken up into quarters. So I've done only two quarters. I'm currently in my third quarter. So when I'm done with this, I'll only have, I think, two and a half years. <laughs> yeah, you're so you're you're so close. You're getting there, man. <laughs> uh, so close. It's so crazy. Um, it has been going really fast. And I, you know, because I didn't pick a school that's local to Nashville because we mm-hmm. have one here. Um, but I feel so much in my gut that I picked the right school. I Good. love my professors and I'm such a wor- a person who is driven by words of affirmation. My professors mm-hmm. instill that in me every day. Even us finishing our tests this morning, they're like, we already know you guys did great. You wouldn't be here if we didn't believe in you. So take the day off, do something for yourself, things like that. And yeah, yeah. But um, it's not an easy journey. I had to get. Is it like online or? So I'm in a hybrid program. Texas Christian um, is another school that I don't go to, but does a similar thing where Mm -hmm. um, it's front loaded, where uh, a big portion of it will be online. And then you move to the location of your school to do your um, clinicals and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I know, um, I think Texas Christian is the only other school that I know of that's a hybrid anesthesia school. Um, but yeah, and in order to do that, I had to like write an essay, uh, get my PALS, my BLS, ACLS, my NRP, my 
CCRN and just experience. But yeah, and I, my program was incredible enough to not uh, need GRE scores. So I did not take the GRE. Oh, nice. <laughs> that was, that was a big holdup for me too. When I was thinking about doing the CRNA route, I was like, yeah, this is just a lot of work. And I don't really know if I want to go through this much school again. <laughs> I definitely was like, where do I not have to take the GRE? Cause it's so much work leading up to that already, you know, mm-hmm. But, um, and the school, many schools frown upon neonatal experience. Yeah. Which is so Mm -hmm. strange to me because, I mean, like, obviously NICU is so unit specific, but people forget how intense these situations are. You know, we are, we're intubating, we're calculating drips, we are monitoring drips, we are monitoring vent settings. You know, we are doing everything that they would do in adult ICU. We're just doing it on a minuscule scale. babies. Yeah. yeah, no. Which I would argue is much difficult, more difficult. So the girl with no adult this... ICU experience. <laughs> Do you not? I thought you had some adult ICU experience. Mm-mm. Oh. No. That's just me being snotty. <laughs> hey, I don't. I did adults, so I get it. You know? <laughs> but that's why my program accepts NICU, because they're like, if one, my director said, you know, I can hand you a 2.0 ET tube and you're not going to bat an eye, but Mm -hmm. I can hand this to just particularly an adult only ICU nurse. And they'll be like, what, what is this? Because they've never seen it before. And that's why they, I wanted to go to school that valued my experience with not just peds, but Mm -hmm. NICU. Yeah. And they did. And I don't know. Yeah. I feel very welcomed and, but yeah, many times they only will take adult experience, like one to two years, I believe. And um, more, more and more schools are taking NICU and PEDS experience, but it's, you know, I think it's a case by case basis. So. Yeah. So when do you start, or maybe you're already doing it, but when do you start like clinicals and like hospital rotations and, you know, what is the trajectory look or trajectory, I guess, look like for um, during like CRNA school? For anyone listening yeah. that's like really curious about how it all is going to work. Well, so my school is a front-loaded program. There's front-loaded and integrated programs. And so I want to say like the first year pretty much is front-loaded. So only classes. Only classes. We will okay. go, yeah, only classes. But we also, because I am hybrid, once in a while, I think I've been there three times already. I'll go to campus in Knoxville, which is where my school is. Mm-hmm. and I will spend some time there like a week and we just have like an intensive week they call it and we do all of our hands-on like skills whatever lab type that stuff is. yes yeah anything so like how how to place the ET tube how to do an epidural how to read an ultrasound machine which honestly before I started here in school I was like oh you guys do this okay cool <laughs> so, <laughs> didn't know that um, that's all cool that yeah yeah and so we do all that there. And then by the, I guess the, the second year, we'll have our, I guess, white coat ceremony. And that's them like pushing us into the clinical aspect. So I'll be moving to Atlanta, Georgia come March. Oh my God. I know. Is Brandon going to come with you or is he still working in the NICU? So, no, he's in, um, he's in nursing school right now, right? He's in nursing school. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. She's in nursing school. So I am taking our pups, our babies to Atlanta in March and Brandon will be uh, done with nursing school in June of that year. And he'll be moving to Atlanta and hopefully he'll be getting, he wants to get a job at Children's Hospital. So yeah, that's our goal because he wants to work in the NICU as a nurse. (laughs) Full circle moment. I just have to say this, how you and Brandon met is one of the cutest things ever so brandon is chris's fiance and brandon started working as what did we call him do we call him like hux mrs MRs, uh medical receptionist in the nicu and that's how him and chris met and fell in love yeah yeah (laughs) fell in love and started dating and you were there for all that i was there for all of it Uh, yeah yeah and it's funny because one of our, I think uh, we call them CSLs, but assistant managers mm-hmm. had said something prior to it. Do you, do you Keith? What did Keith he say? Was, he was like, I think that they would be great together. Oh, he was yes. like, I'm going to set them up. Because <laughs> Keith. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? And Keith, so Keith wanted to set us up. And, oh my God, um, I love it. But yeah, that's kind of how everything blossomed. And y'all um, found love in the NICU. Found oh. love, and um, he's an incredible human being. And Danielle, um, I couldn't have done my proposal without you, <laughs> truly, because I think you were one of the first people that I, I told. Um, you told me like, a year before you were going to propose to him that you were going to propose in a year. I was like. Okay, I love a man that thinks ahead. Okay, here yeah. we go. What are we doing? I mean, I'm a planner <laughs> through and through. <laughs> it's crazy. Color coordinated and everything. Um, but yeah, I because I was so I mean, I still am very much in love. And mm-hmm. he um it was awesome. So yeah, I'm excited for him to finish nursing school so then he can um see what the world of nursing is yeah because he talks about it right now in fact he's um in the living room studying for an exam and um he actually had an ob clinical today and he saw some births for the first time Oh god, that's so exciting yeah Yeah, he's excited so yeah that's kind of the thing something else that we had talked about with the overturning of roe v wade was the other things you know like gay marriage and what else was Clarence Thomas trying to trying to get away with everything but you know loving versus Virginia basically you know he was trying to trying to do away mm-hmm. with that we're going to come under fire or to be like reevaluated by the court um if you know these things were should be protected by the Supreme Court so I know you and Brandon are you know we weren't planning on getting married right away but how do you how are you guys feeling right now is are you thinking like you're going to move things up or yeah um i think i we've talked about it a lot and we haven't made a decision yet but we have thought about moving it up just to say even if they don't recognize it mm-hmm. that i had a marriage certificate in my life yeah and i had like a i, I would say uh, how do I say this? I had like a dark moment, I think, uh, one night. And for me, a dark moment is just like, that's, and I felt it was really hard because I was sitting there and I was just like, you know, I am 
and and I think every woman can say this too. I'm in a country that never wanted him. Mm. One, I'm Hispanic, and two, I'm queer. Mm-hmm. And that was so hard to like just swallow, you know. And I was just sitting there, and I was just like, "Oof, that's a really deep, deep thought." Because I was talking to my siblings, and I was just like, "No." The unfortunate thing about this all is like, I have to have all these conversations with myself that you will never have to have with yourself. You know, I said from things like Florida, my children, if we decide to have children, they cannot say they're dads. They can't say, they can't other that they have dads. My queer brothers and sisters can't have a picture of their spouse on their desk. Mm-hmm. if they work at a school like and I, I I that was just so heavy for me to have and I was just like I it's just unfair it's really unfair and that's why I say that women can relate to that because I think they can um, feel that unfairness too you know and I think that's why I'm so like compassionate and about that but yeah so we haven't fully made a decision on that because the unfair part about this is that I don't want I don't want to have to move my marriage up no you don't want to have to rush it just because you know of like all the planning and everything you've already done out of fear you know it I mean it doesn't change that you and Brandon love each other and would have gotten married regardless but you want to do it on your terms and that shouldn't be dictated by again some old man a bunch of old dudes (laughs) yeah yeah and so that's 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 just the sad thing about it is that I um yeah I don't I don't feel like it's fair and Mm -hmm. um yeah but but that doesn't mean I'm gonna sit there and wallow in it and um Mm -hmm. we're gonna do our best to fight and um, stand up for everyone's rights and spread as much love as we can and yeah. That's honestly all I've ever felt from you is just this loving, bright human. And I'm just so grateful you came into my life. And I love all the conversations that we've had throughout the years, like on these topics. And you've challenged me a lot on things and helped me learn and, you know, helped me see things differently too. And, um, or like think about things from like a completely different perspective. And, I'm just just really grateful for you and grateful you made time to to come on the pod with me tonight. Anytime, friend. I really <laughs> appreciate it though. And I, you know, I love you so much and thank you so much for just having me um kind of share my truth, I guess. Well, let's end this on a really high positive note. What okay. is your favorite thing about CRNA school and best advice that you have for someone starting and or considering it um my favorite thing is the relationships i've had built and will be building so all the friendships i'm I'm having because we can all relate with one another you know it's not an easy journey like i've mentioned and so it's really nice to have somebody kind of been like i've been there i get it great so that's one of my favorite Mm. parts and then the best advice is never doubt yourself never doubt yourself be resilient know that you can do it 
because many times there's going to be nurses or other providers that make you feel inadequate. You aren't. You are enough. And you just have to, you just have to take the plunge and do it. It's scary, but you can do it. I just love you so much. (laughs) Oh, I love you, friend. Not me tearing up and crying during this whole podcast. It's fine. I'm fine. (laughs) Everyone's fine. I'm sorry I didn't get to meet Jackie either, but maybe next time. Oh, you will. She'll she'll get her butt to Nashville soon, and then we'll have all the fun. Or I should say Dr. Jack. Dr. Jack! All right, Romed fam, that is all for this week. I hope you guys have an incredible weekend. And next week, Jack will be back, barring any other Wi-Fi issues from the beautiful Tuscan countryside, which honestly, do you really need Wi-Fi out there? I mean, only if you're trying to do a podcast in the States, right? But as always, you know, especially with us changing the dates for releasing the podcast, any like, share, download, listen, review, all of it helps the podcast continue to grow and ultimately help this community continue to grow, which is what Jack and I want more than anything. Be good to each other. I love y'all. Womed out.